Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everybody! In this episode, we're talking about games where it's not over till it's over, where end game bonuses can completely change your fate. For our shelfie, we take a look at letters from Whitechapel, and we have a puzzling escape room report. That's very true. It's very, it's a very different kind of episode <laughs> uh, this month. So, Lauren, how are you doing this month? Um, I'm doing good. We're still mid move, the move that will never end. But yeah, there, keeps there's... getting pushed back. We have like a day of rain, and they're like, oh, one more week of construction. Yeah, <laughs> but there, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. We've got some kind of final dates in on the calendar now so we did until the suez canal thing happened we don't yeah, know if that's gonna affect us or not. we don't know <laughs> um but um one thing real quick that um i'm bringing to game night this week is as some of you may know we also do another podcast where it's kind of nice we're just the hosts on it we're a, mm-hmm. a group of hosts co-hosts, yeah. so we don't actually have to do too much work actually for the podcast so that's kind of nice um, but it's called uh, moral combat and what's fun about this podcast and a little bit different is um, there's a lot of listener um, interaction first of all we started doing it live on twitch Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been fun. We we have people who tune in every week to listen and interact, and we have a chat going and stuff like that. People can vote on the latest tournament that we're doing live in the chat. And then those votes count towards the final results. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, after um, the episode is posted, we actually we do, like, these tournaments, and our audience actually gets to vote on the winner. Um, and so in addition to, you know, going live now with these things and having more interaction we also have a merch store up and the merch store has been doing really well Mm -hmm. so it's just really fun to see that podcast growing um and if you kind of like um a podcast where people we we just debate random things like right now we're just finishing up our um best one hit wonders of the 90s and we're about to go into debating um the cutest baby animals so it really runs the gamut of what we might be debating and having a tournament style um on you know who is the the ultimate version of whatever it is right (laughs) and i think those are fun conversations to have at a game night Mm -hmm. because sometimes like especially if it's a game that everyone is well established with how they know how to play Mm -hmm. you know like think about like people playing cards back in the day like bridge you know like that kind of stereotypical scene people would chat and gossip while playing the game you know Mm -hmm. so if you and all your friends really know how to play scythe really well and you don't really have to communicate what is happening too much as opposed to just like maybe you say i'm moving here so did you hear about what happened in the latest Thor movie? Uh-huh. You know, kind of, you know, and yeah. that's kind of the part of game night is bringing people together, mm-hmm. having that time to catch up while all doing an enjoyable activity together. You know, it's yeah. a reason to get together, but then you stay for the conversations and for the friendships, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think, um, moral combat's kind of a podcast that's been filling a void for a lot of people of those conversations that they would normally have with their big group of friends, but maybe they're not able to, you know, see their group of friends face to face or whatever. So they're able to kind of come on and um, have uh, those debates with us instead. Right. And then I usually play the person who is st- very strong opinions that are wildly crazy. <laughs> but contradictory I believe, sometimes. But, I, but you know, I believe in them and I stand by them. Yeah. So definitely if... Um, if you like listening to this podcast, this podcast, of course, is a family-friendly podcast. Moral Combat is a little bit more adult. Um, but if it's something that you think might be of interest to you, you should definitely check it out. If you want to hear Greg say naughty words, <laughs> yeah, go listen to Moral <laughs> Combat. Uh, for game night, I am bringing something I kind of had my eye on for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But my friend Chris really turned me on to the idea of buying specially made wooden inserts that go in your box to help you organize your games. Yeah. One thing that I especially like, and this is a spoiler for later where we talk about the game Wingspan in this episode, um, is that the outside of the box actually has a picture of like, here's how you put everything in the box. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Because some boxes, they do have like the form like folded like uh, plastic uh-huh. inserts would like clearly like this, this figurine of the dwarf goes into yeah. this shorter thing here oh i'm know. sure we could probably do a whole episode just on like 
the actual boxes of games yeah. because there's some some that do it so well and some that do it so poorly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Wingspan at least has a picture on the outside that says, like, here's where this would go, here's where that would go. And that's beautiful. You know, I love that. But even still, when he opened his box of Wingspan on a more recent uh, game night session mm-hmm. that we had with him, I saw these little wooden boxes and they had like the cutest little carvings of birds on them yeah. and everything. And even if it doesn't have that detail, just the simple organization that in this wooden box is this deck of cards. In this little wooden box is this deck of cards. In these little sleeves that you can then slide open, that's all of the worm tokens. That's all of the fish tokens. That's all the rat tokens. I was like, I love this. My OCD <laughs> is loving this. Yeah, yeah. He also, um, he got a really cool little... Um, because Wingspan comes with um, like a little dice tower mm-hmm. that's like looks like a birdhouse, um, but he got one that it's like made out of wood and it has a little woodpecker on and, it. Like if the dice roll down it just right, it actually like activates the woodpecker, so it looks like he's hitting. Yeah, us. it's it's pretty I love cute. That. Um, so yeah, so I mean, the only site I know of off the top of my head is called the Broken Token. Mm-hmm. We've seen it at some of the conventions that we've been to. You know where they'll yeah. have like a, but it's just every time we've been there and seen them in person. They were selling stock for games that we either didn't have, mm-hmm. weren't interested to get, or like I didn't think I needed that for that particular game. Yeah. And true, I don't think you need a wooden insert organizer for every game, mm-hmm. but some of them, it could make a much greater improvement of life yeah. kind of uh, yeah. feeling. I mean, the one thing you do have to look out for with the wood ones is it will make your box heavier. That, um, that's true. Yeah. Know, so like depending upon that, that, that's actually a great mm-hmm. point I even think about. Thank you, dear that yeah if you're stacking your games yeah. without any kind of shelves then that extra weight could cause a problem for whatever's on the bottom yeah depending I, knew, on, yeah. I know that we were doing that for a while when we were in our old place the condo and it didn't cause too much damage but i was thinking a little bit like i should put the heavy ones on bottom so they can handle the stress uh-huh, you, know? you don't want to yeah. put a lightweight thing on the bottom and then have we, it be crushed yeah we did a lot of you did a lot of messing around with how we stacked our games mm-hmm. in the old place because you know, there's the way that looks the nicest, but it's not always the way to like easily access the games and mm-hmm. stuff. And so that's definitely something we'll probably. There's be... a full little hobby like rearranging them. Yeah, we'll probably be having to do that a lot more too very soon once we liberate all our games from storage. Yeah, we're going to be looking at all sorts of different ways on like Instagram and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, how do people store their games? The mm-hmm. one I don't like that I've seen is those hexagon shelves that some people do. Like. You know, it looks cool, but, like, you're wasting so much space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. You know, but, like, I, like I said, I like the way it looks, but, like, I, I, I'm more of a functional person mm-hmm. where I want to, like, use the space and not, like, have it just, like, I guess look pretty. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I like the aesthetics, of course, but I, I would rather form over uh, anything else. But, yeah, so we're going to be bringing some organization and some conversation <laughs> and all the other shuns. Yeah. Well, let's get into our main topic. Right. So our main topic for this month is going to be, it's not over till it's over. Games where at the very end, you have a massive round of scoring bonuses Mm -hmm. that could make the difference between last place to first place. Yeah, and I I really like these kind of games because, you know, you could, uh, it could look like someone is winning, you know, by a lot. And someone's the clear winner. And then you get into this end game and you find out that they're not actually doing as well as it may seem. Mm-hmm. And you've actually done well. Um, you know, it's it's definitely, the, it's kind of, even when the game ends, it's still any man's game for who's going to win. And it can even be discouraging for some players mm-hmm. to be like, I'm so far behind. Why do I even try anymore? Why do I even care? And I always like to say to them, well, keep playing because you never know. There's been plenty of times where I've been playing with, different people mm-hmm. and you know someone did that and then it ends up that person wins yeah you know so no, even if you're not playing one of these games where there's some kind of an end game bonus you know i say just remember the point is not to win the game the point is to be there with friends and play the game mm-hmm. and try to make that a good point ahead of time i mean don't get on a soapbox and lecture all your game night friends but you know i think it's a good point to try to get out there Especially if you do have that person in your group who can be a bit of a sourpuss uh-huh. when it comes to like putting too much stock into victory. Yeah. For the enjoyment of the game. Or, you know, putting too much stock into the idea that they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's been plenty of times where we know people who will think that they're not doing well and you're like, <laughs> you don't want to say, well, you're doing a lot better than me right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there, there's definitely times where we know people who 
they they think that they're doing poorly but they're actually not doing poorly compared to somebody else and so it's kind of it i can see also where if you're not doing well in a game but you're not complaining about it and someone else is complaining you're kind of like well geez if you think you're doing bad you must think i'm doing really bad <laughs> right so these are some games that we kind of got together that we thought helped kind of eliminate that sense that some people would have mm -hmm. of I'm doing so poorly because you can tell them, well, but at the very end, there's going to be all these points that are dished out and you don't know how that's going to work out. Yeah. So even though there are some point tracking along the way, you got to wait to the finale to find out what's going to happen. The first one I have on my list is Azul, which is the Portuguese tile laying game, you know, which I think has a very beautiful aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we've definitely... We don't own this game, but we've seen it played a lot. Mm -hmm. We actually, the last time we were at one of those conventions, the gaming conventions, I saw a deluxe version where the tiles were not like these little tiny squares. They were like actual like... Yeah, they were like... A, it was like a giant version. Full like wall tile size. Yeah. You know, and it was cool. And I wanted to play, but just we could never quite get a table. Yeah. Or like an access to the copy. So, mm -hmm. um, but I, I've had my eye on this for a long time and I, I've seen many... Um, like watch me play videos online for this and it's just it's one that i would love to get my hands on at some point so the point is that you're laying down tiles and you're trying to fill in this grid and as you go along you know there's certain rules i don't need to explain how azul works mm -hmm. but the point of azul is that as you're going along you're you are scoring points like every tile that you put down oh if there's tiles connected to it you get so many points like if there's three tiles that are up down left to right from it you would get three points that way so you do see kind of at a glance, oh, okay, so Lauren's in first place because she's already scored 25 points after four rounds, you uh -huh. know, but I only have 17. However, at the very bottom corner of every player's board, this little blue section that tells you once the game is over and the game is finished when one person has an entire row going from left to right of their tiles filled. Mm -hmm. Every player that has a row filled gets two points for each row. And keep in mind that every time that you're doing it, you're doing a round it is possible that you can fill up multiple rows at a time because you could put out multiple tiles mm -hmm. at a time it just depends on how your game went for every column every up and down you get seven points and then for every color that you have completely filled every there's five different color tiles and there's five different uh places for each color so for each color that you're able to completely fill you get 10 points so just because you couldn't get far ahead in the points there mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you didn't get a bonus because I could easily have like the black and the blues filled on my thing, which are nowhere near each other. So uh -huh. I'm not going to get points for them touching as tiles, but I still get 20 points right there for having those tiles put down. So it's, it's still a massive boost in points that you can get at the end. So yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe um, James finished out the game and cause he was ahead. And so he figured, okay, I'll just finish the thrill and just shut the game down and, beat, uh -huh. and then take the victory. But, oh, here comes David, and he has all of these points massed up from his columns that he's built, or the entire color seams that he's filled out. So it is uh, one way that you can kind of upset the apple cart of points at the very end of the game. Probably one of the most popular versions of this that most people are familiar with would be Ticket to Ride. Mm. Um, and the Ticket to Ride is the same thing. You know, you, you're getting points as you go along. As you put down train cars, you're getting, you know two points, three points, four, you know, you're getting these small amount of points. Um, Sometimes big amounts if you do a huge batch. Yeah, it, it all depends on how long of a, of a train um, sequence that you're doing. Um, and so it, it can look like someone's really far ahead, especially if they get some really big, mm -hmm. you know, sequences. Um, but you really don't know until someone puts down their routes at the very end and you find out there. And if they didn't make their routes, they will actually lose points. So mm -hmm. that huge lead they could have could shrink very quickly. Yeah. Um, and and then, you know, if you got a good number of routes, sometimes even little small ones, that will really add up. Mm -hmm. And um, you can see yourself really rocket to victory um, right there at the end. You also have the bonus for some of them of having the longest car or mm -hmm. longest train. Um, and that gives you a, a cool 10 points right there, too. And that's... Many times in our games, that has made the difference. For sure, yeah. I think it, it made the difference just in the last game we played, even. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it's, it's one of those that you, you could be behind the pack, but you really don't know if those other people are making their routes. You know, even, even if they're taking route cards throughout the game, that could be because 
they they have a route that is now impossible. And so they're so like, I gotta do something else. They're like, else. I've gotta do something else. So you really don't know. Um and I've definitely seen if you ever play the um the app version of this game too, right. you can really see that come to play where a lot of times the computer won't have made a route or something and then mm-hmm. we'll have multiple routes that they didn't make. Um, and you'll see suddenly their lead shrink by a, a lot. Um, so that's a, that's a good example of, you know, although you are scoring throughout the game, mm-hmm. um, those scores really are going to change when the game is over. And that's actually one of the only examples I could think of where you can lose points mm-hmm. at the very end of the game, you know, yeah. just from having not completed your goal. And I do like how all the different maps have a different way to score bonus points mm-hmm. like one of my favorites is the india map where they have the mandalas yeah where if you're able to make a complete circuit a complete mm-hmm. circle of a, or a loop of a train route you get bonus points depending on how many individual circles you can draw gives you more and more points so uh-huh. it's kind of like a fun way to like keep trying to find more ways to loop yeah you know so that's one of my favorites but um yeah like you said the longest train in the rails and sails you have the harbors mm-hmm. you know which are really hard to build to tell yeah. the truth you have to have a very specific set of cards to just put one down. But then if you do, then every ticket that you have coming out of that city, mm-hmm. uh, or port rather, gives you a lot more bonus points. And that can make the difference. I remember off the top of my head, it's like if you have three different tickets coming out of, let's just call it New York City as like a harbor, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a harbor down, that's 30 more points. 30 points in ticket to ride is huge. Yeah. That's a third of the way around the board because mm-hmm. it's usually 100 points to go around. So that's a big, big difference. Uh, another one, speaking of uh, ships and harbors, is the Isle of Cats, mm-hmm. one that we've both kind of recently fallen in love with. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible at it, but I love it. Yeah, <laughs> like I I'm, I suck at it, but oh, I really enjoy it. I don't it. think I've come anywhere close to winning. Yeah, that I think I'm I'm last place every time, but I I, I enjoy it mm-hmm. still. So <laughs> um, one thing that I I do like about Isle of Cats and many of these other games that are on the rest of this list is that there's no keeping score as you go mm-hmm. i kind of like it better when you just count it all up at the end because mm-hmm. as much as ticket to write is kind of fun to like have like the competition like oh she just did a big thing i can see her little piece moved around the board yeah. quickly. it kind of takes extra stress on you of like i have to do a move now because you know yeah i mean the good thing about ticket to ride and calculating the score as it goes is it takes a lot of pressure off the end of having to do a lot of counting mm-hmm. you know what i mean so you're kind of doing some of that counting ahead of time. Right, but even times we've been like, wait, did I get those points or did I not get True. those points? We have to recount everything now. Yeah, especially so, when uh, Lauren's in charge of scoring and she's just had her COVID vaccine and is very tired. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with Isle of Cats and many of the others on this list, there is no scoring to the very end. But what I like about Isle of Cats, besides the fact that it's cats and like a Tetris game, so they're all like sleeping together. The and Tetris they, thing is what I love about it. Yeah. Is I, I'm like... I don't really understand what some of the cards do and some of the bonuses do. I'm just like, ooh, that cat will fit there. Mm. <laughs> right. But what I like about it is that how the game basically works is every round you have so many cards in your hand when you start. Mm-hmm. You take one of those cards and then you pass your hand to the left. And so everyone kind of goes around and sees the car- sees different cards. Amongst these cards, there are certain options you can take, such as group goals where everyone gets points if they do this thing or individual goals where you would get points if you do that uh-huh. thing. and it could be things like fill your ship with treasure or for every color of cat that you choose that's touching the edge of the boat everybody gets a point mm-hmm. right so it could be something like at the very end of the game depending upon who chose what goals to keep yeah. and which one's what color cat or what type of cat they choose mm-hmm. to activate for that goal can make a big difference. Yeah. And it, and it's it's interesting too because, you know, something that someone else picked because it, it benefits them can end up benefiting you as well. Yeah. There know? was one time where our friend Christiana, she picked blue cats mm-hmm. for one of those things, you know, to like uh, different groups of cats, like total number, you know. And she had like three different groups of blue cats throughout yeah. her ship. So she picked that and you said, oh, I also have three groups of blue cats. Uh-huh. So it benefited you just as much as her, but it proved to be a detriment to her uh, fiance, Chris, who was in the lead at the time. Yeah. Because he had no blue cats. Mm-hmm. So that was a way that she could kind of change the game. And that like boosted her points up significantly. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if she won or not, but like something like that. And she, if you have multiple things like that, where you can control what color is chosen what type is chosen or even 
what strategy are you going to do? Mm-hmm. I remember one time I got a card that said um, for each uh, larger treasure that you have on your boat, you get bonus points. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to abandon other strategies and focus on getting treasure in my boat mm-hmm. because that's going to give me more points than trying to get these cats. Yeah. Plus, listen, cats are jerks. They're going to run away from you at this drop <laughs> of a dime. They don't want to be in a water boat. Forget yeah. that. <laughs> Um, another one that is obviously very popular is uh, wingspan, um, where you're essentially, you know, you have all these birds that you're collecting in, in different mm-hmm. um, environments. Um, and with with wingspan, there's actually kind of a lot of different ways to score points. Right. Um, there's obviously, as you're putting birds down, birds have different, um, uh, like, a, you know, they, I think it's like a feather or it's something. It's like a feather to show yeah. point value. Yeah, um, but they have different point values. So, you know, you might put a bird down that's only worth three. You might put one down that's worth six, you know. So you have that going on. And then, of course, you also can add more bonuses to birds as you go along through eggs or through other means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have a round. Um, each round has a, like, an objective that's going on. Right. So there's also that where you can, you know, meet meet those goals and get points for that. But then also each person has a objective, a secret objective card of something mm-hmm. that they're kind of working towards. Um, and with a lot of the new expansions, um, you have a lot more opportunities now to draw additional secret objective cards. Right. Um, and so that can really benefit someone. The one thing is though, when you, for most of them, when you draw a, a second secret objective card, you get that it might not help you at all, you know, it, but it might help you. Right. But at least in this case, unlike with Ticket to Ride, it doesn't hurt you. True, true, true. Yeah, it doesn't hurt you. If you draw a new ticket to Ticket to Ride and you can't do it, you're out of luck for those points, bud. Yeah. But here, it's just another opportunity to get points. Yeah. Granted, the last time we played Wingspan, I had a chance to draw like four objective, secret objective cards in that game. I could only use one of them because <laughs> based upon what they were asking for, I had mm-hmm. none of that. Like at one point, I was near the end of the game. I had like maybe, you know, 12 birds on my entire board, which is a lot. Yeah. And it was like, oh, um, for every bird that has a color in its name, you get points. I'm like, none of these have a color in their name. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Um, so. and, and it's interesting because it really impacts kind of your strategy in the game because, you know, like I said, there's those different round objectives, right? And sometimes it's not always necessarily great to go for those mm-hmm. like it's good to go for those but it sometimes it's better to like look ahead and be like okay well i'm not gonna win the first one but i'm for sure gonna win the second one so while you suckers are all trying to you know kill meet, yourself kill for yourself one. for that yeah. first one i'm secretly over here building my army in the water you know like so it, i love that statement <laughs> i'm secretly building my army in the water <laughs> you know or it may look like someone has all these really tiny birds and you're like you're you know you're getting two points for each of those birds what are you doing? Why why don't you get but a bigger bird? But if they have bird? a secret goal that says if my wingspan is tiny, exactly, I get like eight points. Yeah, eight points can be big. In this yeah, game. or um, I think in the last game we played, I had this really weird objective. It, it was kind of cool to try to do it, but um, where my my birds had to either descend or ascend in wingspan in a column. What do you mean by that? So it, it I had to have like you know, a bird that had a really big wingspan mm-hmm. and then the next bird next to it had to have a slightly smaller one. And the oh, next bird next, so or it I could go, go like, the opposite it had to go down way. Enough, or, or go up yeah, or down. Yeah, it could go up or down. But it has to go in the same pattern. Yeah, exactly. And um, depending on if I could get three or more mm-hmm. in a row, I would meet that objective. Um, and so, you know, some there a, a small bird came out and I was like, oh my God, I have to get that bird because it goes in the same habitat and it's smaller than this one, you know? And so for everybody else, they'd be like, why are you so like crazy about this little tiny bird here? But I'm like, but no, like, it, you know, it's understand. just a chickadee. Calm down. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you never know, like it could look like someone's doing really poorly, um, but they could be just meeting an objective that is unusual you know that you don't know about like for example like you said they could be specifically looking for all small birds because they have an objective that in the end is going to make bank for them Mm -hmm. i I do remember at one point i was playing this objective though and it's like oh you can get four points if you kill yourself and make this objective Mm -hmm. or or it was like four points for the basic like six points for like if you really kill yourself and go Uh for the second stage because it does kind of have like tiers usually yeah it's like oh if you get two or three birds you get four points if you get four or more then you get six points but i it was kind of like that where it was like oh you want birds with smaller wingspans and i'm Uh like 
Or I could put down two big birds with big points and then yeah. just completely blow that objective out of the water. Yeah, I had one like that too where it was an objective to get um, four eggs mm-hmm. on each bird. I would get an extra bonus. Right. And I had a thing where, okay, I wanted to put this other bird down. And in order to do that, I had to pay an egg. Mm-hmm. And if I did that, I wasn't going to meet that objective because the game was almost over. But I was like, okay, well, I can get this extra point from this objective. Or I can put down this bird that's worth like six points. Right. Mm, you know, like, do I want the objective that's going to give me two points or the bird that's going to give me six points? But still, the point is that those secret objectives can't come out of nowhere and yeah. make the difference. Yeah, for sure. Like, And because there's so many different ways to score um, in that game, you're really just paying attention to your own stuff. Mm-hmm. You're not really doing any kind of cutthroating, and you really aren't going to know who's the winner until it's over. Plus, the thing I like the most about that game is that in between each round, which I think is four rounds... Between each round, the birds that are on the table for everyone to pick completely resets. Mm-hmm. So if you're just like not getting any luck getting that bird that you're looking for or a specific kind of action, uh-huh. then like, you know, you can either dig through the pile randomly uh, with, you know, blind face down draws or the next turn st- or the next round start, you might get lucky because they're going to put three more cards face up for you to choose from. Yeah. And I will say, so the last time we played this game, we played it with um, the one of the latest expansions. The Oceana one. I yeah, think the Oceana. And um, some of the expansions, it, we've, we got the sense that they've made it a lot easier to get food. Mm-hmm. So if you've played Wingspan before and thought, oh, this is too hard, I can't get the food I need and stuff like that, um, definitely give it a give it a try again with the the expansion because you might find the game um, more enjoyable. Yeah. Plus, in I don't I think it's the Oceana one, maybe one of the other ones because our friends have both of the expansions. Yes. The the second one I can't remember the name of. I'm sorry. Um, but in one of them they add nectar, which is like this pink yeah. food source that acts as a wild card. Which that's part of what makes it a lot easier. But what's fun is that at the end of each round, if you have any nectar left over, it gets thrown away. Yeah, so, so you it's have like, to use it. Get your wilds together and then use them immediately. Mm-hmm. But it then lets you keep your other more solid foods, like worms and berries and grass and stuff uh-huh. like that, more in your inventory. So you can use that later at the start of your next turn. Yeah. You know, so I definitely appreciate that, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, my last one uh, is Clank. Uh, a good old one, Clank. The thing I like the most about it for this point that we're talking here of end game you know you never know when it's over till it's over is that there's absolutely no point tracking in the game (laughs) until you get to the end (laughs) yeah and there's multiple ways in which you can either score points or not score points you know uh you can score points from collecting little treasures throughout the dungeon you can grab one of the big artifacts uh you can get points just from the cards that you draft Certain cards have point values on them. And some cards even are conditional. Like, if you have more of these type, then this card's worth more points. Uh-huh. Right? Um, and there's a million different ways to play the game. And even more strategies. We're like, do I just want to grab the first artifact I can and just get out? Because then at least I know I scored points. Because there's a certain line in most Clank games. Not Clank in Space. Clank in Space, there's no line. But in Clank games, there's a line where if you die and you're underneath that line... You get nothing. Yeah. It's a real risk thing. But if you at least get above that line and you do die, you do score points. Yeah. You're just going to miss like that end 25 bonus. Yeah. There's like a 20, 25 bonus that you get just for getting out alive. Yeah. Which like, of course, 20, 25 points can be a big difference. Uh-huh. But I have seen it where people did not get that bonus and still won uh-huh. because they just did crazy good. Yeah. And, and part of the reason they died is because they stayed down there so long collecting a bunch of stuff. And then they just barely crossed that like yeah. threshold line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one reason I like it a lot is that, yeah, you no one's keeping any track of points whatsoever. Well, yeah. And, and like, it's, it's with, almost impossible to keep track of what the other person's getting because, you know, oh, well, what card did you buy? I don't yeah. know. I'm more worried about what cards I'm buying. Because with Wingspan, yeah, there's no point tracker there, but, like, all the birds are face up. Mm-hmm. All the eggs are right there in front of you. Yeah, so, so you like, can you get, can a, get sense. a sense. Like, oh, wow, he put out a bunch of, like, seven-point yeah, cards, and I see, like, a ton well. of eggs. Is it Easter over there? I feel like they're <laughs> But, like, with Clank... Everything's pretty much hidden in terms mm-hmm. of like what the points are until you get to the end. Like maybe if you look at the little stack of tokens in front of them, or if you notice like, wow, did you just pick up that thirty artifact? Okay, you know. <laughs> so, and also the thing about Clank is that you're really more focused on the, your own little narrative and story that you're building, 
And I think it's a good job of keeping you remembering, play the game. And yeah. then you can, you know, have fun playing yeah, the game. Yeah, don't worry about how well you're doing. Yeah, have fun doing. playing the game. And then you can talk about points at the end. Uh-huh. You know? Granted, the problem is, as you said before, then the end is very heavy with with calculation calculating points stuff. but you know what though like i could totally see myself playing a game of clank with friends I mean, and we get caring. to the end and you just don't care yeah <laughs> just whatever yeah whoever didn't die did good yeah <laughs> you know and then like you could just be like i had a good time let's let's move on with our lives <laughs> like of course you do kind of always want to know who won mm-hmm. but at the same time who cares yeah like let's just go rob this place and get out you know <laughs> So that was our list of a few games that you can play where it's not over till it's over. You yeah. know, the points can have a big turnaround at the end. Mm-hmm. So if you have players in your group that maybe have difficulty with the idea of not winning a game, you know, mm-hmm. maybe try one of these. So that way they can see that keep playing. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think there's nothing better than seeing someone who is kind of complaining about not doing well, and then they end up winning at the end, mm-hmm. you know, because it's kind of like, oh, I guess maybe I shouldn't have um, been, yeah. you know. But I mean, don't also remember, we're, we're, I'm also trying to promote positively. Yeah, I know, but it, so it's like, a good lesson. Well, I I'm think. saying like, you know, it's a good lesson, but also be like, see, you would Yeah, maybe don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> be nice. Be, we're yeah. friends. Let's have a good time and let's encourage others to keep wanting to come back. Uh-huh. You know, always be positive and encouraging. But okay, let's now move on to our Shelfie for this month, brought to you by Lauren Struss. <laughs> yeah, so this is actually a favorite of mine. I don't know if it's a favorite of others because um, there's kind of a rule in our house that you don't play this game with me in a certain role. Um, well, no, it's not that. It's just you're really good at it. Yeah, so the, it's a game called Letters uh, from Whitechapel. It is based um, on Jack the Ripper. Um, and essentially what you're doing, and there's a couple of different games out there that are similar to this. Um, mm-hmm. there's like, I think there's one that's like a Dracula one or something. There is. There's one called Fury of Dracula. Yeah. So how it works is there was a game called Scotland Yard. That's it, right. Where, that's the basic version. Yeah. That- where you were essentially tracking down a fugitive, mm-hmm. right? Kind of think about that movie, The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, mm-hmm. where one person's Harrison Ford and everyone else is Tommy Lee Jones trying yeah. to coordinate their efforts to track him down, right? This one, Letters from Whitechapel, is Jack the Ripper based. Yeah. And there are some changes, like, you know, in terms of Jack the Ripper has to kill a certain person and every, it's divided into rounds. Mm-hmm. And Jack the Ripper will start, like, I killed someone over here. And then you have to scramble over there and try to track him down. Yeah. But in Fury of the Dracula, it's a lot more like ability and almost like RPG based, mm-hmm. where people can get cards and power ups and weapons yeah. and stuff. So, this is the medium choice. Mm-hmm. If you don't want it too light and if you don't want it too heavy, yeah. this is like the just right baby bear option. You uh-huh. know? Yeah, and essentially, so you know, the, it is played in rounds. Um, and you have basically each round you have so much time to try to catch Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he's going around killing people uh, in different areas of the city and you're trying to you know narrow him down. Um, Jack the Ripper does have a couple of abilities to help him kind of elude um, his captors. Um, it can be played from, well, they say it can be played from anywhere from two to six people. I don't think it would be much fun with two people, to be honest. No. Um, I think, you know, three is the minimum I would go. It is fun if you can get a big group of people. We have played this with a large group of people actually mm-hmm. at a um, a um, tabletop day, International Tabletop That's Day. That's right. We did our first we, one. Yeah, we introduced a bunch of people to this and they were having a good time. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's kind of one of those, it's everybody against one person in mm-hmm. a way. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I, I really love playing um, Jack the Ripper and eluding you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they've said, there's a rule now in our house that Lauren doesn't play Jack the Ripper because she's too good at it. And you'll well, it's because you're like him. a fox. You're like triple back on upon yourself. <laughs> I'm just, I'm good at understanding where you think I might go and going the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the problems I have with this game mm-hmm. is that, okay, so you have this whole map of London from like, 19th century, I think it was, uh-huh. right? 19th century, I think, wasn't he? Like 18-somethings? Yes, right? I think so. Anyways, you yeah. have this old map of London from Jack the Ripper times, whenever that was. <laughs> and history major over here. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and there's like, I think, 200 different nodes on there. Yeah. And those are essentially the movement points, right? Mm-hmm. And Jack the Ripper has to start off by 
secretly picking one of these nodes, mm-hmm. writing it down and saying, that's my home base. Yeah. That's where my secret hideout is. And what he has to do is every night kill one of the women that he kills. I think in one night you do two of them. Yeah, it's right? at one of the later rounds you do two. So right. it's, so it's, it's kind even of, more difficult right. then. So if he can get through the five rounds the, and always get back to his little hidey hole, yeah. he wins. Mm-hmm. right? But what's interesting is that if Jack kills a woman that's right next to his hidey hole and immediately goes, and I'm back. And at the, at the end of each round, Jack has to declare, I'm back home. Yeah. Then we're like, okay, so we knew he's kind of over here, mm-hmm. right? You can kind of section off the quadrant quadrants. The problem with the game, though, is that in Scotland Yard, if one of the inspectors is ever on the same space uh-huh. as the bad guy, instant game over. We caught you. I saw you. I know what you look like. There you are. Uh-huh. But in this one, Jack the Ripper could be in the exact same space as multiple detectives. And because they don't necessarily know what he looks like, unless they perform the I'm arresting you at this spot action, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Jack can just walk away. He can yeah. walk on by whistling a tune. Uh-huh. So I feel like it's very difficult mm-hmm. for the police to catch Jack. And also, there's, there's two options that the police can do. They can either perform an arrest where they say, I'm going to just pick the spot and arrest you if you're there. Or perform a search. Or they can search three spots around them mm-hmm. and look for clues. But if Jack is on one of those spots, he doesn't have to declare that he's there. He just has to say, yeah, I have been there. Mm-hmm. That's on my list of the places yeah. I broke down. So, like, it's kind of infuriating to, like, figure out, like, where he was, where he's going, and nailing down that one spot yeah and you can you can win by i or the the detectives can win by either finding jack or finding his hidey hole that's true if you do declare i think your hidey hole is space number 183 and it's not called hidey hole we're just saying that i, I, I just like saying hidey hole i remember why we're playing i believe the game, it's called it's lair i but. i like hidey hole or or hideout no it, it's i think it's i think it's lair i think yeah. you're correct there but actually. yeah we just we just keep saying hidey hole hidey hole is more fun to say it's more family friendly to say. yeah it's a very uh mature theme so i'm saying hidey hole yeah like, yeah but the problem is that like so yeah they can well, also, if Jack takes too long to get back to his hidey hole, yes. the sun comes up and then the police can find him easily. Yeah. So Jack does have a certain time limit he has. But the problem is that Jack also does have many movement tokens that he gets throughout the game, and he keeps getting them back. Yeah. That allows him to, like, elude police even more. Yeah. So the second was starting to close in on him, he's already gone. He took a carriage and he's gone, and mm-hmm. who knows where he went. So as much as I do like this game, I feel like Jack has a little too much power. Uh-huh. Or... Well, it's not so much I feel like Jack has too much power. I feel like the police are a little too powerless. Mm. I think that police should have at least one or two tokens that they could pop at a certain time and be like, we're calling the dogs in. Yeah. And the dogs can like instantly like find a trace and then go boop, boop, boop up to three spaces and you have to reveal in a row which way you went. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be kind of a, kind of a, um, in the timeline, in the parlance of the setting thematic thing that you can do maybe that's just a house rule i'll do i do know there's an expansion for this i think it's called dear boss um i don't believe we have that unfortunately no. our games are in storage so yeah so like, we're kind of going based on memory <laughs> yeah I, I i don't think we got that but maybe we do but like it's kind of one of those i remember looking it up a lot before yeah. being interested we, we also may have had someone buy that for us and we just haven't actually played it yet that, that also could yeah. be a, a good possibility i remember one of our friends asking like does, does lauren have this experience yeah because and they like, know no, i love that game she probably love that <laughs> but this is definitely a game i think is better with large groups of people yeah if you play it with less people what you can do is basically people can um they can essentially double duty and play multiple cops essentially you have to play with the full set of cops and that's and that's why i feel like it it's not really great as a two-player you know like okay because then it's one person doing like five roles versus one person. yeah i don't think that would work as well so that's why i'm saying you know three is the the minimum but yeah it's better with a large group um you know you're right in saying that the, the police maybe don't have a lot of powers. The thing is, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's obviously a lot of strategy that goes into where, what Jack does. And, mm-hmm. um, and one thing is, you know, if they are closing in on you and you do use a carriage or, you know, one of the other abilities that lets you move like multiple spaces, um, that's a dead giveaway of where you were, you know? So right, some, but it, then, you have to like use it very strategically. But unless they quickly guess 
and like this is one where like based upon how the notes are laid out, you can then do math and be like, okay, well if if she was here at she could have uh, at yeah. thirty two, she could have gone here, here, or here. Yeah. So let's you go here, you go there, and I'll go there, mm-hmm. and then we'll like try to figure this out. Yeah. Right? But the problem is that like by the time like oh you know David figured out that she went this way, me and Matt are way over here. Yeah. And there's no way in heck we're going to catch up to be able to help you mm-hmm. or help David track him down, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the problem. Like I said, is that the police kind of feel like they're too... Uh-huh. Like, yeah, if they had maybe, some tokens to move around or Maybe the you know? Dear Boss adds some abilities maybe. to them. I don't, I don't quite know. It's just like, like I said, I wish there was, um, yeah, some kind of upgrades that the police could get. But what's funny is if you play it with someone who's not good at doing Jack, you can usually find them pretty quickly. Right. That, that's true. So <laughs> that's maybe, maybe I'm just trying to overpower you. That, that's I the problem. I think that's what it is, yeah. But the one, the two last things I want to say is, number one, one thing I do like is that Jack has this nice little screen mm-hmm. that's perfectly like sectioned off so like he can write down his little pad for where he or she went and like no one can see what they wrote down, you know. Because I know um, my sister, uh, Becky, has a copy of Scotland Yard and actually comes with a baseball cap. This is like Mr. X, Uh the bad guy. But like that's all they do to hide what you're looking at. It's just like, oh, I have a baseball cap so you can't exactly see where my eyes uh-huh. are looking. But if you have to look at a far part of the map, you're going to be leaning over. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and the, your little screen has a miniature version of the map. So right. you can kind of um, be over there like figuring out where you're going to go. So you can just be else. hunched over your own little corner of the table. Uh-huh. I'm looking at my little map. Yeah, now. it is quite small, so it can be hard to see. Yeah, but... so if you've got poor eyesight, you know, you yeah. need to blow that up. Mm-hmm. My problem with the game, though, other than what we already mentioned with the Jack's little overpowered and the cops are underpowered, is that Jack can hear what the cop's strategy is. Yeah, true. So, like, you can hear them saying, like, well, if she goes down this way, we can do this. So you can think, well, I'm not going to go that way then. Yeah. So my recommendation uh, of a house rule to try out, and I hope we can try this sometime when, like, we go back to normal. We're starting to get there. But when we're fully back to normal, have a big group, and we play this again, is have Jack in another room. Uh-huh. Completely. Having because he has his own little board, yeah, and then we can just use cell phones to text back and forth of mm. like, Are you here? You know, the problem is then that one person's isolated, <laughs> yeah, but like play your own music, you know, have <laughs> a Brooklyn Nine-Nine on in the background, whatever you want, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's uh, Letters from Whitechapel. I mean, it is, it's a it can be a very complicated game, but it can be also a lot of fun, especially because. People will get really mad if you're Jack and you're just slipping by them constantly. Yeah, it's like a good version of a human fox hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was our shelfie for this month. So we have a very different escape room report this time. Yes. We don't have an escape room. We have an escape jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, it's an escape room-based jigsaw puzzle that we just randomly found at Target, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the one that we did is by a company called Ravensburger. Um, sounds like a horrible food. Ravensburger. <laughs> no, it's called Ravensburger Escape Puzzle, and we did the Space Observatory. Yes. And what's really weird that immediately caught my eye, it's only 759 pieces. <laughs> yeah, and we were very confused I by was this. like why <laughs> so right off the bat good quality jigsaw puzzle pieces yeah the actual yeah. like thickness of them mm-hmm. uh very little dust uh, yeah on these things that was a big selling point for me yeah and we because it what's weird is we had recently done a puzzle that had what seemed like these really nice kind of almost like wood wood mm-hmm. pieces but we found that like they w- were really hard to snap together, and then if you made a mistake, they were really hard to unsnap. And at from one or other. two points, like the little knobs or what do you kind call of broke. Them? Yeah. yeah, and so we're like, ooh, we don't like this puzzle. <laughs> I feel like there's a term for that besides knobs, but you guys know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> the like the the out pieces, not the yeah. in pieces, the out pieces. Yeah. Um. So what's interesting about this jigsaw puzzle, though, most people they do two things when building a puzzle: they look at the box for reference, and they work on the edge pieces first. You can't do that with this puzzle. You can't do either of those with this puzzle. <laughs> Lauren, tell them why you can't do either of those. Well, so the first thing we noticed, because the first thing we did was we separated out all the edge pieces, mm-hmm. um, is that all of the edge pieces fit together. Perfectly. So, yeah, perfectly. So it doesn't matter if, and, and the, it was really hard to tell because all the edge is kind of a dark. 
So not only do they all fit together, but you couldn't actually tell if like, oh, well, there's no clear pattern or anything like that that you can base At it At least on a good part of them. So, yeah. yeah, so we couldn't really get a solid edge going to, like, start building the inner part of the puzzle, yeah. too. So we actually had to kind of abandon the strategy, and we just started saying, okay, well, we know there's a telescope. So let's just start looking for anything in um, that looks like it clearly belongs to this telescope. Mm-hmm. Or, so we looked for kind of frame uh, reference points. Um, but something else we knew um, is that the picture is also not exactly what is represented by the puzzle. So just because there is something on the picture of the puzzle does not mean that it is actually, you're going to find pieces that go with that. Or they may have that, but it may be changed in some way. Right. Like, for example, and I'm trying not to give specifics here, so mm-hmm. I'll give a fake example here. If you were looking at a classroom, like laboratory, or uh-huh. like a science lab, you might see a whiteboard on the box, but in the actual puzzle picture the whiteboard has information written on it yeah or you might see a chest on the box and on the puzzle the chest is open right so like it matches but it doesn't yeah you know so like at least it's kind of thematic it's almost like it's a before and after picture mm-hmm. right like before it looked like this yeah after someone came in and did stuff it looks like this the other thing that was weird is the puzzles told us specifically that there would be pieces little square pieces that were not needed and could be thrown away and, of course, we didn't believe them at first, so we kept them. Mm-hmm. Um, we just separated them out. But that was also kind of our, our first clue, too, is that something weird was going on because um, there were a lot of these pieces, like, and they literally do nothing. We just ended up throwing them There was them many of those little square pieces as there were edge pieces. Yeah. <laughs> and they all had stuff printed on them as if they're part of the puzzle. So yeah. So, like, clearly this is a thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Throw them away. <laughs> um, the other problem with this thing is that once you're done with this puzzle... And first of all, I should say, let me back up one thing. It's a good, fun puzzle. There's lots of interesting parts that you can work on. And it's, like I said, it's, as terms of puzzles go, it is a very challenging puzzle. Mm-hmm. So if you if you don't care about the whole escape room part of it at all, um, and you just are like, okay, well, I, I want to do a puzzle, but I, I need something more challenging. This is the way to go because yeah. it's definitely because this is an A+ because puzzle. you can't work from the edges and because the picture doesn't exactly match, it, it definitely makes you work a lot harder. I mean, we were thinking 759 pieces, we can knock we're that out. We're using a thousand in like two days. And yeah, exactly. We can knock that out like nothing. But this one definitely took us a while to mm-hmm. do. Um, like yeah, we brought this up with us to our cabin weekend getaway. Yeah, and we spent like an entire day working on it. We thought, yeah. we thought it'd be an evening. Yeah, exactly. We were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have started this. Yeah. <laughs> but so the problem is. That once you're done with the puzzle, mm-hmm. you have the picture in front of you and you're like, wow, that wasn't there in the picture. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of thing. You now have no direction as to what to do. Yeah. it's It doesn't give you any direction on to, you know that like there is something to solve here because it is an escape puzzle. Right. But you don't know how mm-hmm. or what or, you know, it's, you're totally left um, in the dark. Right. So I did write down, not word for word, but like what information you are given it does tell you of course to remove the square pieces that you don't need them yeah and then it says once you're done there will be six puzzles for you to complete did you even say the number yeah it did say six puzzles it says there will be six puzzles for you to complete and that's all they tell you really yeah it's just hey you got six puzzles to do and it's like oh and then oh and then it says and if you need hint hint with the puzzles here's a qr code Mm -hmm. and you can follow that to like essentially gives you hint one hint two solution yeah. But even with that, we were like, what do I do with this? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we, we could clearly see there were things on there that probably were for a puzzle. Like, oh, these are numbered. Oh, look, there's a, um, mm. a clear pattern here and things like that. But we didn't know what to do with it. And we didn't know, okay, there's six of them. Well, even if we get an answer, what what does that do for us? You know, like, right. that we okay, so we know that... This plus this plus this is five. Okay, great. We know five. We have five. That yeah. means nothing to us. Um, so we ended up, we used the QR code, um, and it did kind of help us along. Um, but I, I without it, I don't know how that you would ever figure out any of these or what to do with them. Well, that's the thing, because in a typical escape room, you will have a lock you can try your answers on. 
you can get negative or positive feedback yeah. with like the green light is now on that worked or the red light. So no, that didn't work. Yeah. You know, so you can keep trying things until you figure it out here. There's nothing that you can try it against. You just have to like, like you said, okay, I have, I ordered it Jupiter, Uranus, Mars, Pluto. I now have the word jump, jump what? Yeah. Like, I don't know what this means, you know? Yeah. And I mean, even in the at home escape rooms, a lot of them come with like either an app or some other cards that let you know, like, okay, you got this right, right, this right. Here's your next clue or right. something. Like the unlock ones that we've done before, we yeah. talked about here, or the exit ones. There's an app that you can put stuff in, and then it'll it tells tell you, if you you're right. yes or no. Yeah, um, this has none of that, and that, and that's not even what the purpose of that QR code was. I mean, I could see if that was its purpose, but mm. its purpose is kind of just to give you hints. Um, and it pretty much like gives you like a picture of the puzzle once it's done. And it's like here's highlighted where. section, like okay, we're looking at this puzzle that deals with these pieces. And like yeah, okay, I see that. Um, it is kind of weird, but I liked it. Where like you have the entire thing, and like you have to remember like this part over here in the bottom left, and this part in the upper middle. Those two puzzle pieces go together. So it's uh -huh. kind of like an escape room with like the key and the puzzle over here you need to bring together. Uh -huh. But yeah, once you have the solutions, okay, so I have a sequence of numbers and letters that don't mean anything yeah so you're just what like, do i do okay. with this and so you know trying not to spoil this particular puzzle as much as we can let me use another analogy imagine that the puzzle is in a bamboo forest next to a river and there's a boy standing over the river looking over the river and the puzzle gave you letters right what you're supposed to do is along those edge pieces for the letter have some of those edge pieces have letters on them that are hidden within mm. the thing you're supposed to find those letters assemble those edge pieces into a very specific order having some of them flip backwards and forwards you know mm -hmm. so they're not all facing the right way so then it assembles essentially a fishing pole and then you just put that over the little boy so it looks like he's fishing and so now you've you've solved the puzzle of helping this little boy fish but like i like what they're doing but nothing ever told me to do that yeah exactly like in the box itself there is a white envelope that's sealed that says final solution uh -huh. so like you know like don't open this until you're done i just had to open it and be like i don't know what you want from me mm -hmm. rip yeah. yeah and then like i kind of saw how was i ever supposed to know to do that like yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was very frustrating i mean i so like i guess the moral here is the um the puzzle part fun challenging but fun the escape part mm, not so fun yeah it, it, it felt like if I was in an escape room and the game master was absentee or just like distracted the entire time yeah. I was playing. And I'm like, I need a hit, please. And like, you get nothing. You know? <laughs> been there. Yeah, been there. <laughs> that's what, that's so high. No, it felt like. Yeah. Man. But yeah, uh, as a puzzle, extra challenging, 10 out of 10. Yeah. I would totally recommend this as a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, especially if anyone's like, oh, well, we do puzzles all the time. It'd be like, okay, here here's a, a puzzle that's going to challenge you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was saying... There should have been two envelopes in that box. Mm -hmm. There should have been one for the final solution, and there should have been a second one that gives you vague instructions, like a riddle. Yeah. That can give you an idea of what you're supposed to do once the puzzle's assembled. Yeah, what you're kind of supposed to be looking for, and then what you're supposed to kind of do with that information. So what I did is I wanted to try this on someone else. So we passed our puzzle on to our friends Melissa and Phil, mm -hmm. and I wrote a second envelope for them with a little riddle that literally took me five minutes to write. And I'll, I'll just read it to you here, because I don't think it's really, you know, spoiling anything. Yeah. I wrote, with it, remember, we're doing the space observatory. Within my observatory, you should find six puzzles to solve with your mind. For each riddle, a number is concealed. Find its component once the answer revealed. And assemble your findings and aim straight and true to defend yourself from certain doom. It's a three-couplet... Mm -hmm. I wrote that in five minutes, and I made the game understandable. Mm -hmm. You know, like, at least now they have an idea of, oh, so here's what we do. And I put an envelope that says, open once puzzle is completed. Yeah. And the second one, I just put open once for final solution. Mm -hmm. You know? So now they at least know, okay, so the six puzzles, there's a riddle, and that'll give us a number. And then if they understand, like, oh, the number is hidden in the puzzle they can go looking for oh here's the number six mm -hmm. that lauren was talking about before okay so let's and then once they have then they can look at those pieces and say oh it's a fishing pole mm -hmm. you know kind of thing yeah so i mean great idea just you really you really missed 
you really struck out with that, you know, finisher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, I mean, we were very curious just from the get-go. We're like, what does an escape puzzle, mm-hmm. you know, what, is, what does that even mean? Um, and, I mean, I like what they're going for. I like the idea yeah. of it. It's just their, their execution was a little bit off. I would be willing to try one more mm-hmm. because I feel like, just like with any escape room franchise, sometimes you do have like the one, one that's, that's not, not so good. Yeah. I'm not even saying it dead, just not so good. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe this was like their first one or just one where like, you know, maybe got through the uh-huh. um, quality control, you know, quality Ashwitz. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and um, maybe like the other ones are better. So like there are other ones. I will track them down and we'll report them out in the future month. For like how that went. But as of right now, Ravensburger, Escape Room Puzzles, in terms of an escape room, I'm giving it like a 2 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Like, the puzzles are okay, don't get me wrong, but one of the puzzles was ridiculous. The book mm-hmm. puzzle. I won't spoil too much more, but there's a puzzle with books. Yeah. And that one was crazy. Like, there's no way you were supposed to get that answer. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you would... Because a lot of them are like, oh, there's a symbol of uh, Mars and a symbol of Venus. And how do they combine to make, you know, like you can kind of yeah. work that out. Yeah, a lot out. of them are math puzzles, essentially. Right. But the book puzzle, it's just like counting. But like, you're but, not, like, but like you don't even know that you're supposed to be counting until you're like, I don't know how you would ever figure that out. Because yeah. it gives you like a pattern to follow. But then you're supposed to, at the end of the pattern, be like, well, now the pattern's done. Yeah, what do, what do I do? What do I have with that? And like, I guess you're somehow supposed to figure out, you're supposed to count how many were in that pattern. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to know that? Yeah. Well, and also, like, it's you, you think you're looking for, like, um, okay, I'm looking for these two symbols next to each other. But you're actually supposed to be looking for, okay, these two symbols and then the last symbol and another symbol and then another yeah. symbol and another symbol. And it, it's not clear. So, you know, at first we're like, okay, we have to look for these two symbols. Okay, we found them. Now what? <laughs> you know. I guess, I guess our... Our answer is green. Yeah, or one, or yeah. we, I don't know. <laughs> it, I said it before, and I'll say it again, in escape rooms, it's okay to ask for a hint. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes your brain is just not in the right place for it, things like that. But here, we had six puzzles, and every single one of them were like, what now? Yeah. I don't know what you want from me. Mm-hmm. And that's bad when all of them yeah. are like that. And it, it wasn't just me, it was you too. Yeah. You know? And I, I just... There needed to be a bit more guidance. Like mm-hmm. I said, that one riddle that I wrote, you could have had that in the instructions even. There's place in there too for just be like, just put this in here and that way people understand what they need to do. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't there. So like I said, two out of 10. The puzzles were at least decent, but there's no way to solve them. Yeah. You know, but in terms of a jigsaw puzzle, great. Yeah, yeah. If you want a challenging jigsaw puzzle, it's a good option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that does it for our escape room report. Room in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get into our Friday favorites. Lauren, what is your Friday favorite for this coming month? Um, my Friday favorite is a new game that we just recently played. It's, um, one that our friend got. Um, it is called Deadly Desserts, and it's a card game. Mm -hmm. Um, super cute. That's the main reason I like it. Um, it has all of these little desserts that are attacking back. Um, and they all have fun little pun names mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, it, it was a little hard to, for us all to understand at first. The The directions maybe could have been written a little bit better. Um, it's definitely a weird one, like, in terms of basically you're going through these rounds and everyone is putting their cards down and, like, whoever puts, like, the largest one down usually wins or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a strategy behind it where you don't always want to win. Or and sometimes you're purposely trying to get rid of certain cards, and you know, um, because it all depends on then what you end up winning. If you got any bad cards in there, it counts against you for points. Um, so it's kind of a, it's definitely a different game. I don't think we own anything else that's like this. Oh, we do. It's called Hearts. You can play with a typical deck of cards. <laughs> like if, for those of you who, out there who know how to play Hearts with just a regular fifty-two mm-hmm. pack of cards, it's exactly that, but just a cute overlay on it, <laughs> where it's essentially you put down a spade. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has to put down a spade, unless they don't have a spade, in which case they can put down whatever they want. But whoever has the highest spade, because that's the establishing deck, uh-huh. they then take all of that. But if you put down any hearts, those count as negative points. So you want to try to get rid of those quickly. And in this case, the hearts are portrayed by desserts. So it'd be like, oh, brownie bombers, you know, or like the uh, iced 
uh, chocolate dragon. Uh-huh. You know. Whereas all the other suits are portrayed as, like, a vegetable or a protein or... or like, a drink. A, yeah, or a drink. Like, a boba drink, you know. Yeah. Relaxing boba sh- uh, shaman. Mm-hmm. You know, or, like, um, the, the T-bone steak puncher. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, it's cutey things like that. They all have fun little drawings. I want to find out who the artist is. The artist yeah. did a really good job. Mm-hmm. And just maybe follow them on something. You yeah. Know? Because, like, whoever that is, like, you did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, definitely a fun game. Yeah, it's it's a fun... I mean, there is definitely strategy to it, but it's kind of a fun, simple, quick game. Mm-hmm. So how about you, Greg? What's your Friday favorite? My Friday favorite I would like to try to do again. And we, I did this once online with friends, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping to do it again soon, is to play Capers, which is a... Uh, an RPG that you play with a deck of cards Mm -hmm. and it's essentially a it's the 1920s 1930s gangster scenario they do have other versions like they have a spy version now that's more in the 60s 70s but the one I like is the gangster one and it's like gangsters meets Uh X-Men where like people do have like mutant powers but you typically only have one mutant power like Mm -hmm. I do ice things or I'm fast or I'm really strong things like that and instead of rolling dice you draw a card from your deck. And depending upon what the suit is and what the number is determines if you actually did the thing or not. So it's kind of fun because not everyone is going to have a 20-sided dice on yeah. them at home. Uh-huh. But most people can scrounge up a deck of cards. Or yeah. at least you can find a deck of cards at your like local grocery store. Yeah, in the checkout line. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the checkout line or like if you need to find it somewhere else, look in the stationery where they sell pencils and erasers. Uh-huh. Like, there'll be a deck of cards there for like three bucks. Yeah. You know? And even still, like, you can technically play with just one deck for everybody, you know? So, like, I have the master deck and I'm pulling for everybody. But it's fun. You can do stories and characters. They do have a free PDF online for it, for, like, the first adventure. Uh-huh. And then, of course, there's a uh, premium edition where you can pay to, like, be able to print that out at home or, like, have the multiple adventures. Or you can make your own. Mm-hmm. But it's a fun way to do it. Um, it's quarantine-friendly. Like I said, it's... The character sheet is very easy. It's a one-page sheet, mm-hmm. and it just pretty much tells you, hey, for these, you get to draw three cards for your strength. Uh, for any talking thing, you only get to draw one card, and you mm-hmm. pick which card you want to use kind of thing, you know? So it's not really advantages or disadvantages. It's just how many cards do I get to choose from when I pull? Yeah. And, yeah, it's a pretty simple, pretty fun, pretty straightforward game, and everyone gets to talk about the gangster. See? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that does it for this month on Friday's Game Night. Uh, music for this episode is Megaress by Twin Musicom. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available, and we truly do appreciate your rates and reviews since it helps new listeners find our podcast and spreads the love of gaming. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come talk games with us and tell us what games you think would make a good addition to this month's list. This has been another edition of Friday's Game Night. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.